to 200-200. You'll get a text confirming entry plus iHeartRadio info. Standard data and message rates apply. That's bank to 200-200. 710-WOR. Now, you're in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, Pete McCarthy with Dan Grossa. In the 7 o'clock hour uh, in years past, we have done straight Mets at this time. We'll probably continue doing that going forward, be a little more flexible with it. But our Mets deep dive, we're going to do that in the 8 o'clock hour when we have uh, Tim Healy of Newsday and Anthony DeComo, MLB.com, join us in studio and uh, put a bow on the uh this, this is another disappointing uh, Mets season here in 2018. Uh, but right now, I, I want to dive into this Jets game yesterday. Dan. Do we have to? We do. We do. do. We, we absolutely to? do. Because you got to talk about this all day yesterday. <laughs> oh, I have yeah. not gotten a chance to vent yet after they lose 31-12 to the Jaguars. And listen, I expected the Jets mm-hmm. to walk into Jacksonville and lose. Right. I did not expect it. To look like that, where the defense is giving up over 500 yards of offense to Blake Bortles and the Jaguars, and you mean that wasn't Joe Montana yesterday? I don't believe so. No. He might as well have been. Uh, but and this is the thing for the Jets. We touched on it a little bit earlier. This season is all about Sam Darnold. You want Darnold to prove that he's the guy. And it's about his development and making sure that you get the most out of that position going forward. We know Todd Bowles is a defensive-oriented head coach. There's another offensive coordinator in here for the Jets. And this is the decision that you have to make at the end of the season. It doesn't have to come tomorrow. Is Todd Bowles the right guy to get the most out of Sam Darnold? And if he's not going to be able to do that, then at the very least... You can't be giving up 500-plus yards to the Jaguars and say this is some defensive-oriented football team. You're not far off. And, look, there's no way to sugarcoat it. Yesterday was – look, if you lose a game to the Jacksonville Jaguars – look, Jacksonville's a good They're team. Good. Jacksonville might be the best team in the AFC when it's all said and done. They might be. So I don't think there's any shame in that, especially in their building. But the way that it transpired, the way that almost from the get-go – You had guys running all through that secondary wide open on those shallow crossing routes. And you're saying, well, how did that happen? You had 10 days to prepare for this game, Mm -hmm. right? And and, and what's disconcerting to me is after the game, for example, when you hear the coach go up there and say, well, no, we weren't surprised by anything they were doing. We did it all week in practice. We practiced the underneath routes all week long. We nailed it in practice each week. Well, then what happens on game day? I mean, the message then or the translation must be getting lost from what you do during film study, what you do on the practice field, to what you actually do out there on the field on game day. Because ultimately, that's what you're judged by. And you know the old saying that coaches coach and players play, and I believe that. But at the end of the day, something is not adding up, right? Because as you said, and everybody well knows, you know, the defensive side of the football is his area of expertise. Mm-hmm. It's what helped get him the job here as a head coach. Remember, the year right before they hired him, he won the Assistant Coach of the Year Award or whatever at the it's NFL terrific Honors. Terrific defense in Arizona. Absolutely. And and you know what was impressive, too, about that team? Think of how many guys they lost to injury that year in Arizona, and yet he were plugging guys in, mm-hmm. and they were still one of the most effective units in the league. The one knock you could say, or one of the knocks you could say about this defense before this year, was why don't they turn people over? Right? Why don't, why don't they force turnovers? They're turning people over left and right. They were plus three in the turnover department yesterday, Pete. And they still gave up 31 points, still gave up over 500 yards of offense. How does that happen? Something is wrong there. And, you know, when you see a guy like Tremaine Johnson getting paid $72 million to be a shutdown corner, even though I know that that term is kind of outdated now in the National Football League because corners can't even play defense and use their hands anymore, God forbid. 
But when he's getting toasted by Dante Moncrief, unless he's got the $72 million in his pocket and that's what's weighing him down, you expect a better effort. Well, I'm just happy he didn't have a dumb game-breaking penalty for a second straight week. The dumbest thing I've seen, uh, what he did with Jarvis Landry in the Cleveland game, and, and that was really where it all started to go downhill there. How about Buster Screen? How long do I have to look at this guy as a nickel back? And I, I know he's supposed to be good in the slot, can handle some but things. But he made a great play yesterday with uh, yeah. the strip and the fu- the strip and the fumble but recovery. That's the thing. Like every once in a while, okay, he could do something, and then you're seeing him getting burned. It's a penalty every time. It seems the opponents throw at him. I, I get it. It's a nickel back. You're in the slot. It's a tough spot. But the Jets have just never seemed to have someone dependable in that area. Well, teams do their homework, right? Mm-hmm. Teams are going to pick on the the inferior link there in the defense but right now i mean i don't even think it's so much buster screen because you see teams picking on mo claiborne you see teams obviously picking on tremaine johnson taking deep shots why not and you know they're getting killed with these underneath routes like you saw yesterday because that's assignment football more than anything else and you talk about the mental errors and they and they harp on that you know darren lee avery and avery williamson by the way has been fantastic he, he mm-hmm. really he's been a fantastic signing in, in our post game shows. Greg Buttle and myself the last two weeks he was our player of the game. I mean that's unprecedented. You know two weeks in a row he's the player of the game. But um, they got to get this thing figured out. They they really and truly do because if you are going to salvage anything from this season, got three straight home games coming up. You would think now would be the opportunity, or else. You could be looking at one and seven, one and eight, and that's not what any Jet fan wants to see. No, I bought in, got the a season ticket when the Jets drafted You're Sam back Darnold. On board, I, I was so pumped. Well, let me ask you a question. Went all was in. it what was it Darnold? Yeah. that made you just jump in with both feet and said, "I'm in." Take, Absolutely, take my money. That was it. Yep, take uh, my money. The next day, you I'm, take I, Sam. I gotta be it. I gotta be money. there. I gotta see it. It's been forever since this team's had a, a quarterback. I wanted Darnold for years, and you what and I both. see from him. Yeah is exactly what he was last year at USC. He can extend plays, he can throw some guys open, but he also every once in a while just has a blind spot, doesn't see a defender, didn't throw any picks yesterday, but he almost had one down near the goal line at one point yesterday. What I didn't like yesterday, he missed some open throws that I expect him to be able to hit down the field, including big fourth down with Quincy Anunwa. What do you think of how Darnold is progressing here? Maybe a little too much mustard on the Anunwa throw, but Quincy, and he's been great this year. Okay, hit him in the hands. Mm-hmm. It's the NFL, big moment in the game. You want to come up with that catch. Um, he overshot Robbie Anderson in a chance deep down the field. You know, he, he, he threw that one probably five yards past Robbie. Had Bilal Powell coming out of the backfield on one. I think it was in the first half of the game. Overshot him a little bit. It, the thing about Sam is... And, and you brought up USC last year, and this was one of the knocks on him coming out of school and into the draft. It's a, you know, kind of one of the reasons why he should not be considered the consensus number one quarterback out of that crop in the draft because of the turnovers and the interceptions last year. What happened at Southern Cal last season, they were compensating for guys that were lost on that offensive line. They were dealing with some injuries and whatnot. And if you look at this offensive line right now, I don't think that he has a cozy pocket in any way, shape, or form. I don't think that it's probably going to be the offensive line that you see five years from now that he's playing behind, hopefully, in a Jets uniform. So I think that he's getting to some of those bad habits again while also facing a lot stiffer competition. It's the National Football League. The game is a lot faster. One other thing from yesterday, though, and this is, you know, we always ask these questions. Is is the coaching staff or the, is the scheme conducive to helping him make plays? In the second half yesterday, like you mentioned, the fourth down play to Quincy Anunwa. That was a fourth and one. Play before that was a third and one. 
on both of those instances, it, it kind of struck us as we were watching the game yesterday. Empty backfield mm-hmm. on both those plays. Now, look, I don't think you have to be a genius to figure it out, but if I'm on the defensive side of the football and I see empty back, and they may have even been five wide then, I'm not even sure. But if you got an empty backfield there with a rookie quarterback, there's a better than good chance that they're not going to be running the football. Mm. And that's third and one. That's fourth and one. I mean, in most cases, that is a running down. So if you're going to have nobody in the backfield, I'm on defense. I'm knowing, hey, they're throwing the football. Let me pin my ears back and go after and get this guy. And Jacksonville is as good at doing that than any team in the National Football League. And he had an opportunity to burn them to... The coach's credit out, had an opportunity, yeah. right. and but uh, Darnold unable to hit. And as great as he looked the first game against Detroit to come back from the pick six, he still seemed for the most part unflappable. Maybe a, a little jitters in that game against Cleveland in the second half, but these are all part of the growing pains. Right, and he's not turning the ball over left and right. We haven't Yesterday seen was his first game without that. a turnover, which is a good sign. But even in the Cleveland game, it was only late when he had to start forcing the right, ball down right. the field, which you understand. Uh, I think you're still seeing some good things, but you're reminded, kid's 21 years old. He's got a lot of learning to do. And as Baker Mayfield hits the ground running, and Cleveland scoring 42 points in Oakland yesterday, I think that's something that's important to remember when it comes to these guys. You know, I, I, and look, you, you, that first game was great. You know, the Lions on that Monday night, and I remember just talking to the fans in the post game show and whatnot, and how excited everybody was. And boy, this looks like the real deal, and we're going to go sixteen and zero. And you know, you got to those games are few and far between. When you have games like that where everything is clicking, you know, all three phases: offense, defense, special teams. That was a, a juggernaut performance that night. You know, a little bit of luck involved in, in a way, but. You know, you have to keep a proper perspective. They're not going to win every game. He's not going to play that good each and every week. How you adjust, how you get better from the rough times, those are the things that separate the guys who ultimately become great to those that ultimately just disappear. I mean, you saw, I mean, Pete, think about it. Mark Sanchez, right? I mean, who had more success than him the first couple of seasons? Well, you, all you saw was poised, the poised Mark Sanchez that whole rookie year. Until first he was first two, but first two years they went to the AFC Championship mm-hmm. game, and he played well in those playoff games, yes, in those big money games. He went up to Foxborough, outplayed Tom Brady. You know, he he went to pay, uh, beat Peyton Manning the week before that. Think about that, Manning, Brady, and then he was the one that almost single handedly brought them back in that Pittsburgh game in the AFC Championship when the rest of the team didn't show up in the first half because they thought they won. They thought they won the conference the week before mm-hmm. by beating New England. They didn't realize, oh, we have another game to play. So. I mean, you thought that he was ultimately going to be the guy to lead them to the promised land, and we know it didn't happen. So that's why you have to digest everything you're seeing from Darnold, the good, the bad. And then at the end of the year, you'll be able to put at least a little bit more stock into what you have in him. But you know, I'm with you. I still think that all indications are he's going to be pretty good. And I think it's important for the league, too, because if the Jets do struggle here and the Jets do decide, hey, maybe Todd Bowles isn't the right guy to lead us. Right. If Sam Darnold really shows the league that he has what it takes, think about how attractive that head coaching job can be. And and this is where you're not judging Todd Bowles. Is he good enough to be an NFL head coach? If you have a great young quarterback in place, now you have one of the top jobs in the sport. And that's what you're looking at him as. You're not looking to bring in some first-time head coach and hope you hit now you become the destination. It's it's appealing. I mean, that's the most important component, especially if you're an offensive coach, clearly. 
And that's why, you know, when we talked about where this team is on offense right now, you know, you're trying to build something, and it's not going to get there overnight. Well, if you look at the most important component, you have that. At least you think you have that in the quarterback. And if they do make a change down the road, yes. And I look at the New York Jets and say, well, you got that Darnold kid. He's pretty good. You know, I'd like to work with him. But let me also say this, though. And I don't know what the rest of the year or the offseason is going to hold. we got to play still 12 more games. But I just want to dispel this whole rumor, theory, myth, whatever you want to call it, that you need to have an offensive coach to be successful with a quarterback, you know, to make an offense work. He needs an offensive coach to be able to tutor him, to mentor him. Bill Belichick ain't an offensive coach, Mm -hmm. and he's had a great deal of success in New England. Say what you want about what they're going through now, but Mike Tomlin, defensive coach, he and Roethlisberger have had a nice little run together. So, And just because Todd Bowles has a defensive background doesn't mean that they can't ultimately work well together. But, you know, you're going to have to start showing some results here, and then the organization is going to have a choice to make there at the end of the year. Sure, and to me, it's not just an offensive coach that would want to come in potentially and, and join up, be someone with a defensive background as well uh, if they, they like that position. And that's, sure. That's what it's all about. You want to have that head coach-quarterback marriage. I think most Jets fans optimistic that the quarterback is in place for the long term. The head coach, even after all these years, Still a big question mark. And, and I think we'll see how they respond. And and I think most Jet fans also, when they look at the team where they are now at one and three, I think that they're not pointing the finger at the quarterback and saying, That's the reason why we're losing. That's the reason why we've struggled the last few weeks. You know, I mean he's he has not been great, but he's not been awful either. So it's all part of the process, I think, of grooming a young player, and that's what you're seeing. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Uh we'll go around the league a little bit uh, as well coming up. And then in the eight o'clock hour, we'll have Anthony DeComo, MLB.com, Tim Healy of Newsday, spent all season covering the New York Mets and look at what's ahead uh, in this road uh for the Mets as they try to get backs. So we'll deep dive on them in the eight o'clock hour and wrap up. Another 70-something win season. 77 wins, uh, to be exact, this year. It's a sports zone. Pete McCarthy hanging with Dan Grassa on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR. Two choices. It's the WOR Sports Zone. With Pete McCarthy. On 710 WOR. I hang out with Dan Grassa tonight as uh, we talk Jets, Giants. We'll get into the Mets in the 8 o'clock hour as the Giants lost yesterday, 33-18 to the Saints. Jets fell to the Jaguars, 31-12. Both New York teams now 1-3 and three, uh, through the first quarter of this football season. Something else that was interesting in this Jets-Jaguars game yesterday, Dan, was uh, Doug Marone decided to go for two oh, late yeah. in the game. He had a 19-point lead. So, okay, you get the two, and it's an even 21 but how much time was left in the game? Like well, a couple minutes? 25 seconds. How about 25 <laughs> seconds? Um, look, crazy things happen. You know, the miracle of the Meadowlands, the, you know, the Harm Edwards play, Joe Pasarczyk all those years ago was crazy enough. But forget about going for two and having to answer questions about going for two. Why did you even decide to go for the touchdown? Then you wouldn't even have to be faced with a choice to go for two or not. I mean, you let's take the six points off the board. 25 to 12 was the score at the time for the Jaguars with 25 seconds left. If you would have taken the knee there and just basically waved the white flag, game's over, you think that the Jets at that time would have possibly uh, objected or, or you know called timeouts or anything like that to say, no, 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 we're, we're still in this game, we want to stop the clock? No. Game would have been over, essentially. And you would have walked off the field, that's it. So, you know, for him to say that I've been around football too long, I've seen crazy things happen, you never feel comfortable 
Plus, you know, we went for two because we had some injury issues on our field goal team and our PAT uh. team. I, but, oh, who are we kidding here? We know why he did it. Everybody knows why he elected to go for two, because he thought that he was in line to get the job, which ultimately went to Todd Bowles, and he got spurned. But remember something else about Doug Marone here. Jets weren't the only team that passed on him. Every team passed on him, mm-hmm. because remember, he didn't get a head coaching job that offseason. He got hired by Jacksonville to be the offensive line coach. And give him credit, he saw a good situation, because he said, this Gus Bradley guy, I know he ain't going to stick around long. Gus Bradley got whacked, and Doug Marone took over, and the rest is history. And he's turned it around, but uh, is that something that, if you're the Jets, I think you remember it. Oh, is that something you that to. you're going to focus on if, if you see the Jaguars? What would it be, next year, or figure it's not going to be a playoff game this season? Yeah, we could probably throw that one out. You know, it's a distinct possibility at this stage. But no, you have to. And to a man, every guy in that room said, for sure, yeah, I'm going to remember this one. I'm going to circle it. You know, we're going to want to get vengeance. And things have a funny way of working themselves out in that regard, right? Karma, you know what they say about it. It comes back to bite you. Will the Jets get revenge? Who knows? I, I couldn't tell you that, but... You know, we don't even know if this is the same coach is going to be there, for example, when the Jets ultimately get that revenge. But the other school of thought, Pete, is you could say, well, if you don't like it, play better. If you don't like them running up the score, if you don't like them going for two, stop it. That's what Bull said. Right? You know, you can you do have a say in that. So there's a couple of ways to look at it, but you can't tell me that Doug Marone wasn't doing it just despite the organization because he felt jaded. But it's one of those moments, too, right, where... The plucky upstart that fans have an easy time rooting for, right? Who wasn't rooting for the Jaguars last year to knock off the Patriots in the AFC Championship Oh, you mean the game? Patriots aren't a feel-good story anymore? No, they, they kind of lost that. But even they were for a period of time there back in 2001. years ago. <laughs> yeah, before anybody while. knew that Belichick was cheating. Yeah, oh yeah, it's a great, who's this Brady guy? But think about the Warriors. They were the, the plucky upstart yeah, for a little thing. while. Everyone, oh, I loved watching them play, and now they're the super team, the bad guy. The villains of the dare, league. I think it's happening with the Astros, and will happen at some point. Dare I say the Yankees in '96 had a little bit of that? They, they were did. a likable team yeah. in '96, mm-hmm. and then they became the bad guys again, really fast. Evil Empire. Are we seeing? Is it too early on the Jaguars to you know, start saying this is one of those things that shows? Even if you can have some aspects of your team that people want to pull for. The, the monster lies within? I think they like some new blood. I mean, I always say this just as a fan, right? That if it's not going to be my team that's going to be playing for a championship in whatever sport it is, I, I like to see new blood. You know, I like to see the new team in there, a team that kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, it, it's refreshing. It's fun. And, shoot, I was rooting for the Jaguars last year in the AFC Championship game. I think, I think all Jet fans were. But I'm sure if the Jaguars make the playoffs again come January... Jets are going. Jet fans are going to have to think long and hard about. Boy, do I really want to support this team? The ones that kind of rubbed it in our face when we played them earlier in the year. Yeah. Well, uh, you'll support them against the Patriots. That's probably about that's, it. That's a fair bet. How about the Patriots? Why do we have to do this every freaking year? Where uh, producer Ray is a big Patriots fan. I'm listening to him on Saturday. He's saying that the first of all, the Red Sox had an embarrassing loss Saturday, the penultimate day of the year to the Yankees. This is a team that won a you hundred know, plus games, and then the Patriots. Wham, wham, they're one and two. We go through this every September. We do it every year. Cry, what is this? Cry me a river. Oh, the my gosh. I mean, you, you know they're going to be, be fine. You, gotta, you know I mean, it. And that's, look, God love Ray. You, you do. But 
I mean, enough is enough is enough. By the way, and maybe Ray could shed some light on this, too. And I don't know if he's ever shared this with you. Diehard fan, right? Has tickets, still goes to the games up there at mm-hmm. Gillette Stadium. Do you know the method of transportation that in, that is involved in him going to these games? I assumed he drove. No, 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 no. no, no. no this no, is, this is, you're familiar with planes, trains, and automobiles, uh-huh. the movie? Okay. Yeah. That's basically Ray every Sunday when the Patriots yes. have a home game. Now, why don't you share it with the rest well, of the listeners here about what you go through to support your team? My normal thing would be to drive out to the East End, park my car, take the ferry from Orient Point to New what? London. My parents will pick me up there, take me up to uh, to Providence. Now, I'll, I'll, my parents live just outside of Providence, if you talk it. We'll uh, then get changed into my gear. They will drive me up, drop me off about a quarter of a mile from Foxborough because it's, it's insane to get anywhere near that stadium. I walk in, I come back, I walk back to the Dunkin' Donuts after. They pick me up. Again, do the reverse, back over the ferry, back, get to my car in the Orient Point, and I'm back home at night. I picture you like popping out of a crate as part of all of that. You know what? If you'd like me to do that, I'll do that, and I'll video it. But think about that for a second. I mean, look, and, and I'm not sitting here questioning anybody's fandom or anything, but can you ever imagine, okay, having that much passion for anything in life to do what he does just to go to a football game? Car, ferry, car, train, bus, I, I mean, everything, just to watch a football game the last three hours. Man, how about his parents? Picking him up, helping out? Up. It's a whole family get-together. They, they get to see me. They don't get to see their son. It's, it's, it's do they enjoyable. go to the game with you? or do, do Actually, they... my mom will be there t- uh, Thursday night. I'm going with my mom. Yeah. That's okay. right. They play Thursday night. Forgot about it. See, Colts. because the parents want to see you, I'm sure, because you know they don't. You guys don't live that close, right? So every no, opportunity so they, they come down as much as they can. But yeah, anytime I can go up there, right? But because because otherwise, like sometimes the parents would have to get involved, and they would have to say, "It's like, oh, Ray, I mean, do you really think this is necessary? I mean, you're an adult. You're coming all this way, Ray. Do you really think that this is necessary? At least it pays off. At least it's worth your time. Right. Yeah, you know, you're not going to. Thanksgiving games where you, you lose by 40 touchdowns and uh, they're shooting off fireworks because you kick a freaking field goal. Uh, was that, that game? That was a great game. What are you yeah, talking about? Great game. How's Steve Gregory doing these days? Ow. <laughs> nothing ow, right? I mean, he had a big night that night. I remember he was the guy who did the on-the-field interview with uh, whoever it was on, yeah, on NBC. I, I, I don't even know where he is. Steve yeah. Gregory was like on the bus. His picture was on the, the Sunday night football bus that night because he was the one who had the, the butt-fumble touchdown. It was touchdown, fumble kickoff, butt-fumble within like 27 seconds. Right. Steve Gregory had two of those touchdowns, right? I believe so. He picked up the, uh, he picked up the fumble, if I'm right. Yes. He had a big night. Career night. I'm about done with this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, guys, you guys want to do the fake spike next, and we'll just uh, go. Well, that was the Dolphins. I, I wanted you to win that game. I can't stand it. That's it. I was telling everybody about this before. I think the, I, the team I don't like is the Dolphins. I don't have a problem with the Jets. I don't like the Dolphins. I hated the Dolphins a lot more growing up, but that people, has shifted. People, Yeah, right. People of a certain age don't realize that when you talk about a Jet rivalry, it was, it was the Dolphins for decades. Are there still like a bunch of Dolphin fans around here, or did Dan yes. Marino retire yes. and they all no. stopped? There were always... Oh. So many dolphin fans you'd run into at that game when I when I drove into the uh, parking lot a couple of weeks ago when they, they played the Dolphins in MetLife, I came across this tailgate setup. It was one of the biggest things I've never seen more aqua in in my life. Well, there let, was like hundreds of people there. Let me hundreds. phrase it better: Are they all over thirty five years old, thirty years old? Like if you're a yeah, a young so. kid, would you ever gravitate towards that? Because the Steelers are always a draw one way or that. <laughs> right. The don't have that. No. I don't understand why you'd ever become a Dolphins fan except for Dan Marino. And it's amazing to me that all these years later, 
You still have a bunch of, you know, 35-year-old with Mario jerseys. Dolphin yeah. fans hanging out, tailgating at MetLife Stadium. It's so true. But it's funny, you notice what Ray said though. He's like, Yeah, I don't I don't the Jets don't bother me because that's like his way of saying the no, Jets are never a threat. I don't worry about the that's Jets. That's why I loved Rex so much, because he made the Jets the villain, and I had never rooted for a team, as we were talking about at the top, that had crossed over to becoming the villain. And the Jaguars, maybe today or yesterday was a little part of that turn for them, but my team has never been the bad guy. But and I want to root for the bad guy. That's the guy who wins. That's what's funny. I want to be the one that everybody's dying to get. But can a team in Jacksonville, tiny little Jacksonville, be considered the villain? They're barely on the map. The Patriots were barely on the map 25, 30 years but ago. they still get the Boston tie-in. That's the oh, thing. The Boston didn't even know the Patriots existed until uh, Bill Parcells they came games, in. They, had their, they, they used to have their home games blacked out. Before yeah. Bill Parcells showed into town, that's how that, that's the attention that they garnered up there in New England. Eight hundred three two one zero seven ten. Yeah, I think I realized. So Anthony DeComo's coming in. He's a big Patriots fan, is he? Yeah. And then Tim Healy, I believe he's a Pats guy too. Uh, I, I we might have made a terrible mistake that a today bit, here, Dan. But we'll we'll keep it to the Pats as best we can, hopefully. All right, it's the uh, Sports Cell People Car. They hang with Dan Gross uh, on the Voice of New York seven ten W O R. We're back in the WOR Sports Zone with Pete McCarthy. All right, back here in the Sports Zone, 800-321-0710. And uh, we got Tim Healy and Anthony DeComo here, and my worst fears have been realized. We got three Patriots fans, two Jets fans, and a Giants fan in the house tonight. No, that's that's unacceptable. How is the New England Patriots, or how are the New England Patriots, the overwhelming majority in New York on this show? How is this possible? Because we, we have this Patriot producer here who apparently put all of this together just to rankle me. It's absolutely a conspiracy. I did not know Healy was. I knew I knew Tacoma, but Healy I I no think idea. you did. Because I think you guys, you have your own like club and you stick together. Mm-hmm. And nowadays with social media, it's so easy to kind of always all be on the same wavelength there. So I think you knew what you were doing. Well, all I know is we're all really good at what we do, so that kind of means that we're Pats fans because they're good at what they do. Okay. They all came in. They had the secret handshake and uh, signals and all like that. A, there was like a dance. It, yeah. Was, yeah. it was very strange. They showed off their matching tattoos. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a whole thing there with uh, Patriot Pat. Yeah, not good. Not uh, good at all. <laughs> we should probably say congratulations to the L.A. Dodgers. Yes. NL West champs. They are... Moving on to the division series. And, you know, while there wasn't life and death tonight, there was quite a bit on the line. For instance, the Brewers now, they got home field advantage in the National League, and they don't have to play in that wild card game. And I don't have to tell Mets fans, nobody wants any part of that wild card game. No. That is a miserable experience. Even if you win the game, you just feel good that you survived. There's no, there's no real fun. To having a team in it. Now, for everybody else to watch it, it's fun. It's life or death for them. A whole baseball season coming down to one game, I, that's not fun. Well, if I'm a Yankee fan, the guy I want to see on the mound on Wednesday night in the Bronx with those 50,000 screaming fans is Jury's Familia. You hope you, he gets in the game. You hope he gets in the game because in a big spot, I oh, didn't trust on. him with my life. I, I, I was never a big fan of his. Famili- never was. Familia be just fine. Oh, come on. I, I, I've defended this guy. Yeah. So you're, you're a Jury's Familia truther, I assume. Is that uh, what it is? I suppose I, he blew game Connor one. Gillette, well, and that's right. He blew game one in the World Series a terrible way. It was hey. a terrible blow, uh, you know, way to blow that save and cost them that game 
But then the other two blown saves, he pitched as well as he possibly could well, in those I don't blame games. him for those. You know, Daniel Murphy had a lapse defensively, but, I mean, Connor Gillespie, Gillespie the next year, I mean, come on. To me, to me, and, and it's funny, my buddy over uh, at SNY there, Nelson Figueroa, who's outstanding mm-hmm. uh, on the Mets pre and post or whatever, we get into this back and forth because he's a big Familia backer, and he knows that i you know, not exactly his biggest fan. And I always say to me, I look at Juris Familia the same way I look at Armando Benitez. To me, they're one and of the same. He'll put up 40, 50 saves during the regular season, but in a big spot, i.e. Game 1 in 2000 against Paul O'Neill, Game 1 2015 against Alex Gordon, they will have an at-bat that they are not able to salvage, which can change the complexion of the series. Now that you have named those two plays as well, we've officially turned this show into my uh, ninth circle of hell. I think we've mentioned every terrible sporting event that has happened yeah, in my fandom. Yeah, but we the same here. events. That's the thing. Okay, it's not like <laughs> I We're sat getting them there all in tonight. enjoyed it. I mean, I was right there with you. I'm going to cry myself to sleep tonight. And we're getting the Paul O'Neill at bat in, too. We just need a Timo reference, and we're done. I think that was done. my birthday, for crying out loud, that game that night. So no. talk about a birthday present. Yeah, game one in the Subway Series. Well, at least you didn't show up for school the next day. Cause it no, was it was a Saturday. so harrowing. Yeah, it was a Saturday. Okay, so okay. They, so they, were down, they were down 2-0, Pete, by Monday, because Mike Hampton went out the next night yeah. and walked the ballpark remember yeah. mr school system <laughs> well that's what brought david wright <laughs> oh that's right that's and, true. And we'll bring it all full circle here how about david wright's uh you know going away the other night uh it made such an effect that even the president of the united states decided to chime in always been a big david wright fan and i just heard about your retirement I'm at the United Nations, and I left a lot of very important countries to get up and say, you are a spectacular man and a great baseball player. Tremendous hitter, tremendous fielder, a winner, and you've been my friend. You've been my friend for a long time. We played golf together, and the people we beat have never forgotten you. You're a winner, David. You're a great winner and a great man. Have a terrific life. I'll be seeing you along the journey. Take care of yourself. Right, president's giving up time at the United Nations to give a tribute to David Wright. That's cool. It's cool. And I just like the fact, of course, and this is, you know, this is the way he does things, but he, he had to drop the United Nations and had mm-hmm. to drop the very important countries. And that they won in golf. The people they, we beat never forgot it. Exactly. <laughs> now, unfortunately, the Met fan would probably trade some of those golf victories for some more wins on the diamond. But... Is that David Wright's fault, though, when you look back? Uh, no. No, it's it, baseball. Look, the best player in baseball, what does he have to show for any of his team accomplishments? And Mike Trout, now yeah. he's going to have a new manager next year. Which, by the way, isn't that funny, too? Because I remember, you know, when that story broke, what was it, either in August or something about, you know, I think Rosenthal had it, that mm-hmm. Mike Sosha was going to be out after, what is it, 18, 19 years with the team. Uh, I was doing uh, my show on MLB the next day, and he, you know, everybody was so quick to dismiss that, Mike Sosha included, and now here we are at the end of the season, and it turned out to be true. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. So, often. Often. The rumor yeah. is right. accurate uh, uh, to some degree. But and, you're right. Uh, we I certainly mean, saw it. There, you know, there were a lot of goodbyes yesterday. Adrian Beltre, Joe Maurer. Oh, when, I you think said, is, when you said a lot of goodbyes, I thought you meant like two different words, goodbyes. Like when people went shopping, what do you mean, goodbyes? Oh, you know, okay. Instead of goodbye, goodbye, farewell. We're almost to that point you're in right. the uh, baseball season, another month, and yeah. the, the Mets fans ready for that. But you had Beltre, Socha, um, Mauer. Joe Mauer. And I think Mauer is a guy that's very comparable to David Wright in terms of, you know, good looking guy, you know, the matinee idol looks, all that, became a star right away. 
signed big contract, never quite lived up to it, but is still a legend within his town. Because he's from Minnesota. He's a Minnesota guy. Yeah, and David grew up a Mets fan in Virginia, uh, but both attached themselves to the fan base in a, a pretty big way. And another guy yet, who was on the road to the Hall of Fame before mm-hmm. injuries took us. Mauer's not a Hall of Famer, by the way. He's, I mean, he, I don't think he is, no, but I've seen arguments not. over the last day that oh, he was a Hall of Famer. I, I don't buy it. No, 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 dive into those. No, no way. No, he, he's only a catcher about half his career yeah. at the uh, at the end of the day. I, he doesn't feel like it. And and you could do the statistical deep dive in five years, but uh, that that would be a no for me. Um, but I, I thought. Something that stands out about it is just how baseballs became become so regionalized. Like, how many times have you even come across Joe Maurer as a, a Mets fan and right. and seen a whole lot of his career and would really appreciate what he has done? And I think for a lot of other fans or you know baseball fans around the country, David Wright gets that kind of send off. You don't. David Wright was a guy who was a little bit more, I think, obviously marketed nationally than Joe Maurer. Remember, Captain America of the World Baseball Captain Classic America, helped. Playing in New York helps. You know, was on the cover of the baseball game one year, the MLB, the show, like when the Mets were good. The, the other thing about Wright, though, and there were a couple of things. Obviously, injuries played a big part in derailing the career that he was having. And I think also leaving Shea Stadium impacted his career. Think about all those opposite field home runs he used to hit, the right yeah. center field at Shea Stadium. And those were few and far between there at City when it opened because, you know, that was the great wall of flushing is how he Rose called it. And, you know, that was a very, very deep outfield. And you weren't seeing a lot of home runs hit there. So that... I think, cut into whatever type of production he was going to be able to manufacture throughout his career. No, he's hit with the pitch in the head by Matt Cain as well. It took him some time to work his way through that. And then he broke his back in 2011. And that was the start of the spinal stenosis. And, and who knows how quickly he had some productive years after. But did that impact what his performance could have been in the latter stages of his prime? And as we know it, essentially robbed him of the uh, second half of his career. Uh, let's give you a chance right now to win an MLB Network prize pack. You got some fun goodies in here, at least a, a hat, a drinking cup, some other good stuff in there. Check it out. Uh, be caller number three at 800-321-0710, and you're the winner. Watch two division series games on MLB Network, plus live coverage before and after every postseason game on MLB Tonight. And again, caller three at 800-321-0710, and we'll another uh, MLB Network prize pack to give away to you in the 8 o'clock hour. Uh, deep dive on the Mets coming up in that 8 o'clock hour. It's the Sports Zone. Pete McCarthy with Dan Grasso on The Voice of New York, 710 WOR.